Chapter 6 of The Journal of John Woolman by John Woolman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Devin Pertz. Chapter 6, 1758-1759. Visit to the quarterly meetings in Chester County. Joins Daniel Stanton and John Scarborough in a visit to such as kept slaves there. Some observations on the conduct which those should maintain who speak in meetings for discipline. More visits to such as kept slaves, and to friends near Salem. Account of the yearly meeting in the year 1759, and of the increasing concern in divers provinces to labor against buying and keeping slaves. The yearly meeting epistle, thoughts on the smallpox spreading, and on inoculation. 11th of 11th month. 1758. This day I set out for Concord. The quarterly meeting heretofore held there was now, by reason of a great increase of members, divided into two by the agreement of friends at our last yearly meeting. Here I met with our beloved friends Samuel Spavold and Mary Kirby from England, and with Joseph White from Bucks County. The latter had taken leave of his family in order to go on a religious visit to friends in England, and, through divine goodness, we were favored with a strengthening opportunity together. After this meeting, I joined with my friends, Daniel Stanton and John Scarborough, in visiting friends who had slaves. At night, we had a family meeting at William Trimble's, many young people being there, and it was a precious, reviving opportunity. Next morning, we had a comfortable sitting with a sick neighbor, and thence to the burial of the corpse of a friend at Uchland meeting, at which were many people, and it was a time of divine favor, after which we visited some who had slaves. In the evening, we had a family meeting at a friend's house, where the channel of the gospel love was opened, and my mind was comforted after a hard day's labor. The next day, we were at Goshen monthly meeting, and on the 18th attended the quarterly meeting at London Grove, it being first held at that place. Here we met again with all the before-mentioned friends, and had some edifying meetings. Near the conclusion of the meeting for business, friends were incited to constancy in supporting the testimony of truth, and reminded of the necessity which the disciples of Christ are under to attend principally to his business as he is pleased to open it to us, and to be particularly careful to have our minds redeemed from the love of wealth, and our outward affairs in as little room as may be, that no temporal concerns may entangle our affections or hinder us from diligently following the dictates of truth and laboring to promote the pure spirit of meekness and heavenly-mindedness amongst the children of men in these days of calamity and distress, wherein God is visiting our land with his just judgments. Each of these quarterly meetings was large and sat near eight hours. I had occasion to consider that it is a weighty thing to speak much in large meetings for business, for except our minds are rightly prepared, and we clearly understand the case we speak to, instead of forwarding, we hinder business, and make more labor for those on whom the burden of the work is laid. If selfish views or a partial spirit have any room in our minds, we are unfit for the Lord's work. If we have a clear prospect of the business, and proper weight on our minds to speak, we should avoid useless apologies and repetitions. Where people are gathered from far, and adjourning a meeting of business is attended with great difficulty, 
it behooves all to be cautious how they detain a meeting, especially when they have sat six or seven hours and have a great distance to ride home. After this meeting, I rode home. In the beginning of the twelfth month, I joined, in company with my friends John Sykes and Daniel Staunton, in visiting such as had slaves. Some whose hearts were rightly exercised about them appeared to be glad of our visit, but in some places our way was more difficult. I often saw the necessity of keeping down to that route from whence our concern proceeded, and have cause, in reverent thankfulness, humbly to bow down before the Lord, who was near to me, and preserve my mind and calmness under some sharp conflicts, and begat a spirit of sympathy and tenderness in me towards some who were grievously entangled by the spirit of this world. First month, 1759. Having found my mind drawn to visit some of the more active members in our society at Philadelphia who had slaves, I met my friend John Churchman there by agreement, and we continued about a week in the city. We visited some that were sick, and some widows and their families, and the other part of our time was mostly employed in visiting such as had slaves. It was a time of deep exercise, but looking often to the Lord for his assistance, he, in unspeakable kindness, favored us with the influence of that spirit which crucifies to the greatness and splendor of this world, and enabling us to go through some heavy labors in which we found peace. 24th of 3rd month, 1759. After attending our general spring meeting at Philadelphia, I again joined with John Churchman on a visit to some who had slaves in Philadelphia, and with thankfulness to our Heavenly Father, I may say that divine love and a true sympathizing tenderness of heart prevailed at times in this service. Having at times perceived a shyness in some friends of considerable note towards me, I found an engagement in gospel love to pay a visit to one of them, and as I dwelt under the exercise, I felt a resignedness in my mind to go and tell him privately that I had a desire to have an opportunity with him alone, to this proposal he readily agreed, and then, in the fear of the Lord, things relating to that shyness were searched to the bottom, and we had a large conference, which I believe was of use to both of us, and I am thankful that way was open for it. Fourteenth of six month, having felt drawings in my mind to visit friends about Salem, and having the approbation of our monthly meeting, I attended their quarterly meeting, and was out seven days, and attended seven meetings, and some of them I was chiefly silent, and others, through the baptizing power of truth, my heart was enlarged in heavenly love, and I found a near fellowship with the brethren and sisters in the manifold trials attending their Christian progress through this world. Seventh month, I have found an increasing concern on my mind to visit some active members in our society who have slaves and having no opportunity of the company of such as were named in the minutes of the yearly meeting, I went alone to their houses, and, in the fear of the Lord, acquainted them with the exercise I was under. And, thus, sometimes by a few words, I found myself discharged from a heavy burden. After this, our friend John Churchman, coming into our province with a view to be at some meetings, and to join again in the visit to those who had slaves, I bore him company in the said visit to some active members, and found inward satisfaction. At our yearly meeting this year, we had some weighty seasons, in which the power of truth was largely extended to the strengthening of the honest-minded. 
as the epistles which were to be sent to the yearly meetings on this continent were read i observed that in most of them both this year and the last it was recommended to friends to labor against buying and keeping slaves and in some of them the subject was closely treated upon as this practice hath long been a heavy exercise to me and i have often waited through mortifying labors on that account and at times in some meetings have been almost alone therein i was humbly bowed in thankfulness in observing the increase in concern in our religious society and seeing how the lord was raising up and qualifying servants for his work not only in this respect but for promoting the cause of truth in general this meeting continued near a week for several days in the fore part of it my mind was drawn into a deep inward stillness and being at times covered with a spirit of supplication my heart was secretly poured out before the lord near the conclusion of the meeting from business way opened in the pure flowings of divine love for me to express what lay upon me which as it then arose in my mind was first to show how deep answers to deep in the hearts of the sincere and upright though in their different growths they may not all have attained to the same clearness in some points relating to our testimony and i was then led to mention the integrity and constancy of many martyrs who gave their lives for the testimony of jesus and yet in some points they held doctrines distinguishable from some which we hold that in all ages where people were faithful to the light and understanding which the most high afforded them they found acceptance with him and though there may be different ways of thinking amongst us in some particulars yet if we mutually keep to that spirit and power which crucifies to the world which teaches us to be content with things really needful and to avoid all superfluities and give up our hearts to fear and serve the lord true unity may still be preserved amongst us that if those who were at times under sufferings on account of some scruples of conscience kept low and humble and in their conduct and life manifested a spirit of true charity it would be more likely to reach the witness and others and be of more service in the church than if their sufferings were attended with a contrary spirit and conduct in this exercise i was drawn into a sympathizing tenderness with the sheep of christ however distinguished one from another in this world and the like disposition appeared to spread over others in the meeting great is the goodness of the lord towards his poor creatures an epistle went forth from this yearly meeting which i think good to give a place in this journal it is as follows from the yearly meeting held at philadelphia for pennsylvania and new jersey from the twenty-second day of the ninth month to the twenty-eighth of the same inclusive seventeen fifty nine to the quarterly and monthly meetings of friends belonging to the said yearly meeting dearly beloved friends and brethren in an awful sense of the wisdom and goodness of the lord our god whose tender mercies have been continued to us in this land we affectionately salute you with sincere and fervent desires that we may reverently regard the dispensations of his providence and improve under them the empires and kingdoms of the earth are subject to his almighty power he is the god of the spirits of all flesh and deals with his people agreeable to that wisdom the depth whereof is to us unsearchable we in these provinces may say he hath as a gracious and tender parent dealt bountifully with us even from the days of our fathers it was he who strengthened them to labor through the difficulties attending the improvement of a wilderness 
and made way for them in the hearts of the natives, so that by them they were comforted in times of want and distress. It was by the gracious influences of his Holy Spirit that they were disposed to work righteousness and walk uprightly towards each other and towards the natives in life and conversation to manifest the excellency of the principles and doctrines of the Christian religion whereby they retain their esteem and friendship. Whilst they were laboring for the necessaries of life, many of them were fervently engaged to promote piety and virtue in the earth and to educate their children in the fear of the Lord. If we carefully consider the peaceable measures pursued in the first settlement of land, and that freedom from the desolations of wars which for a long time we enjoyed, we shall find ourselves under strong obligations to the Almighty, who, when the earth is so generally polluted with wickedness, gives us a being and a part so signally favored with tranquility and plenty, and in which the glad tidings of the gospel of Christ are so freely published, that we may justly say with the psalmist, What shall we render unto the Lord for all his benefits? Our own real good, and the good of our posterity, in some measure, depends on the part we act, and it nearly concerns us to try our foundations impartially. Such are the different rewards of the just and unjust in a future state, that to attend diligently to the dictates of the Spirit of Christ, to devote ourselves to his service, and to engage fervently in his cause during our short stay in this world, is a choice well becoming a free, intelligent creature. We shall thus clearly see and consider that the dealings of God with mankind in a national capacity, as recorded in Holy Writ, do sufficiently evidence the truth of that saying, It is righteousness which exalteth a nation. And though he doth not at all times suddenly execute his judgments on a sinful people in this life, yet we see in many instances that when men follow lying vanities they forsake their own mercies. And as a proud, selfish spirit prevails and spreads among a people, so partial judgment, oppression, discord, envy, and confusions increase, and provinces and kingdoms are made to drink the cup of adversity as a reward of their own doings. Thus the inspired prophet, reasoning with the degenerated Jews, saith, Thine own wickedness shall correct thee, and thy backsliding shall reprove thee. Know, therefore, that it is an evil thing and bitter that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God, and that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord God of hosts. Jeremiah 2.19 the God of our fathers, who hath bestowed on us many benefits, furnished a table for us in the wilderness, and made the deserts and solitary places to rejoice. He doth now mercifully call upon us to serve him more faithfully. We may truly say with the prophet, It is his voice which crieth to the city, and men of wisdom see his name. They regard the rod, and him who hath appointed it. People who look chiefly at things outward too little consider the original cause of the present troubles. But they who fear the Lord and think often upon his name see and feel that a wrong spirit is spreading amongst the inhabitants of our country, that the hearts of many are waxed fat and their ears dull of hearing, that the Most High in his visitations to us, instead of calling, lifteth up his voice and crieth, he crieth to our country, and his voice waxeth louder and louder. 
in former wars between the english and other nations since the settlement of our provinces the calamities attending them have fallen chiefly on other places but now of late they have reached to our borders many of our fellow-subjects have suffered on and near our frontiers some have been slain in battle some killed in their houses and some in their fields some wounded and left in great misery and others separated from their wives and little children who have been carried captives among the indians we have seen men and women who have been witnesses of these scenes of sorrow and being reduced to want have come to our houses asking relief it is not long since that many young men in one of these provinces were drafted in order to be taken as soldiers some were at that time in great distress and had occasion to consider that their lives had been too little conformable to the purity and spirituality of that religion which we profess and found themselves too little acquainted with that inward humility in which true fortitude to endure hardness for the truth's sake is experienced many parents were concerned for their children and in that time of trial were led to consider that their care to get outward treasure for them had been greater than their care for their settlement in that religion which crucifieth to the world and enableth to bear testimony to the peaceable government of the messiah these troubles are removed and for a time we are released from them let us not forget that the most high hath his way in the deep in clouds and in thick darkness that it is his voice which crieth to the city and to the country and oh that these loud and awakening cries may have a proper effect upon us that heavier chastisement may not become necessary for those things as to the outward may for a short time afford a pleasing prospect yet while a selfish spirit that is not subject to the cross of christ continueth to spread and prevail there can be no long continuance in outward peace and tranquillity if we desire an inheritance incorruptible and to be at rest in that state of peace and happiness which ever continues if we desire in this life to dwell under the favor and protection of that almighty being whose habitation is in holiness whose ways are all equal and whose anger is now kindled because of our backslidings let us then awfully regard these beginnings of his sore judgments and with abasement and humiliation turn to him whom we have offended contending with one equal in strength is an uneasy exercise but if the lord is become our enemy if we persist in contending with him who is omnipotent our overthrow will be unavoidable do we feel an affectionate regard to posterity and are we employed to promote their happiness do our minds and things outward look beyond our own dissolution and are we contriving for the prosperity of our children after us let us then like wise builders lay the foundation deep and by our constant uniform regard to an inward piety and virtue let them see that we really value it let us labor in the fear of the lord that their innocent minds while young and tender may be preserved from corruptions that as they advance in age they may rightly understand their true interest may consider the uncertainty of temporal things and above all have their hope and confidence firmly settled in the blessings of that almighty being who inhabits eternity and preserves and supports the world
In all our cares about worldly treasures, let us steadily bear in mind that riches possessed by children who do not truly serve God are likely to prove snares that may more grievously entangle them in that spirit of selfishness and exaltation which stands in opposition to real peace and happiness, and renders those who submit to the influence of it enemies to the cross of Christ. To keep a watchful eye towards real objects of charity, to visit the poor in their lonesome dwelling places, to comfort those who, through the dispensations of divine providence, are in straight and painful circumstances in this life, and steadily to endeavor to honor God with our substance, from a real sense of the love of Christ influencing our minds, is more likely to bring a blessing to our children, and will afford more satisfaction to a Christian favored with plenty than an earnest desire to collect much wealth to leave behind us. For here we have no continuing city. May we therefore diligently seek one that is to come, whose builder and maker is God. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things and do them, and the God of peace shall be with you. Signed by appointment, and on behalf of said meeting. 28th, 11th month. This day I attended the quarterly meeting in Bucks County. In the meeting of ministers and elders my heart was enlarged in the love of Jesus Christ, and the favor of the Most High was extended to us in that and the ensuing meeting. I had conversation at my lodging with my beloved friend, Samuel Eastburn, who expressed a concern to join in a visit to some friends in that county who had Negroes, and as I felt a drawing in my mind to the said work, I came home and put things in order. On 11th of 12th month, I went over the river, and on the next day was at Buckingham meeting, where, through the descendings of heavenly dew, my mind was comforted and drawn into a near unity with the flock of Jesus Christ. Entering upon this business appeared weighty, and before I left home my mind was often sad, under which exercise I felt at times the Holy Spirit which helps our infirmities, and through which my prayers were at times put up to God in private, that he would be pleased to purge me from all selfishness, that I might be strengthened to discharge my duty faithfully, how hard soever to the natural part. We proceeded on the visit in a weighty frame of spirit, and went to the houses of the most active members who had negroes throughout the county. Through the goodness of the Lord my mind was preserved in resignation in times of trial, and though the work was hard to nature, yet through the strength of that love which is stronger than death, tenderness of heart was often felt amongst us in our visits, and we parted from several families with greater satisfaction than we expected. We visited Joseph White's family, he being in England. We had also a family sitting at the house of an elder who bore us company, and were at Makefield on a first day, at all which times my heart was truly thankful to the Lord, who was graciously pleased to renew his loving kindness to us, his poor servants, uniting us together in his work. In the winter of this year, the smallpox being in our town, and many being inoculated, of whom a few died, some things were opened in my mind, which I wrote as follows. The more fully our lives are conformable to the will of God, the better it is for us. 
I have looked on the smallpox as a messenger from the Almighty, to be an assistant in the cause of virtue, and to incite us to consider whether we employ our time only in such things as are consistent with perfect wisdom and goodness, building houses suitable to dwell in, for ourselves and our creatures, preparing clothing suitable for the climate and season, and food convenient, are all duties incumbent on us. And under these general heads are many branches of business in which we may venture health and life, as necessity may require. This disease being in a house, and my business calling me to go near it, incites me to consider whether this is a real indispensable duty, whether it is not in conformity to some custom which would be better laid aside, or whether it does not proceed from too eager a pursuit after some outward treasure. If the business before me springs not from a clear understanding, and a regard to that use of things which perfect wisdom approves, to be brought to a sense of it, and stopped in my pursuit is a kindness, for when I proceed to business without some evidence of duty, I have found by experience that it tends to weakness. If I am so situated that there appears no probability of missing the infection, it tends to make me think whether my manner of life in things outward has nothing in it which may unfit my body to receive this messenger in a way the most favorable to me. Do I use food and drink in no other sort, and in no other degree, than was designed by him who gave these creatures for our sustenance? Do I never abuse my body by inordinate labor, striving to accomplish some end which I have unwisely proposed? Do I use action enough in some useful employ, or do I sit too much idle, while some persons who labor to support me have too great a share of it? If, in any of these things, I am deficient, to be incited to consider it as a favor to me. Employment is necessary in social life, and this infection, which often proves mortal, incites me to think whether these social acts of mine are real duties. If I go on a visit to the widows and fatherless, do I go purely on a principle of charity, free from any selfish views? If I go to a religious meeting, it puts me on thinking whether I go in sincerity and in a clear sense of duty, or whether it is not partly in conformity to custom, or partly from a sensible delight which my animal spirits feel in the company of other people, and whether to support my reputation as a religious man has no share in it. Do affairs relating to civil society call me near this infection? If I go, it is at the hazard of my health and life, and it becomes me to think seriously whether love to truth and righteousness is the motive of my attending whether the manner of proceeding is altogether equitable, or whether aught of narrowness, party interest, respect to outward dignities, names, or distinctions among men, do not stain the beauty of those assemblies, and render it doubtful, in point of duty, whether a disciple of Christ ought to attend as a member united to the body or not. Whenever there are blemishes which for a series of time remain such, that which is a means of stirring us up to look attentively on these blemishes, and to labor according to our capacities, to have health and soundness restored in our country, we may justly account a kindness from our gracious Father, who appointed that means. The care of a wise and good man for his only son is inferior to the regard of the great parent of the universe for his creatures. He hath the command of all the powers and operations in nature, and doth not afflict willingly 
nor grieve the children of men. Chastisement is intended for instruction, and instruction being received by gentle chastisement, greater calamities are prevented. By an earthquake, hundreds of houses are sometimes shaken down in a few minutes, multitudes of people perish suddenly, and many more, being crushed and bruised in the ruins of the buildings, pine away and die in great misery. By the breaking in of enraged merciless armies, flourishing countries have been laid waste, great numbers of people have perished in a short time, and many more have been pressed with poverty and grief. By the pestilence, people have died so fast in a city that, through fear, grief, and confusion, those in health have found great difficulty in burying the dead, even without coffins. By famine, great numbers of people in some places have been brought to the utmost distress, and have pined away from want of the necessaries of life. Thus, when the kind invitations and gentle chastisements of a gracious God have not been attended to, his sore judgments have at times been poured out upon people. While some rules approved in civil society and conformable to human policy, so-called, are distinguishable from the purity of truth and righteousness, while many professing the truth are declining from that ardent love and heavenly-mindedness which was amongst the primitive followers of Jesus Christ, it is time for us to attend diligently to the intent of every chastisement, and to consider the most deep and inward design of them. The Most High doth not often speak with an outward voice to our outward ears, but if we humbly meditate on his perfections, consider that he is perfect wisdom and goodness, and that to afflict his creatures to no purpose would be utterly averse to his nature, we shall hear and understand his language both in his gentle and more heavy chastisements, and shall take heed that we do not, in the wisdom of this world, endeavor to escape his hand by means too powerful for us. Had he endowed men with understanding to prevent this disease, the smallpox, by means which had never proved hurtful nor mortal, such a discovery might be considered as the period of chastisement by this distemper where that knowledge extended. But as life and health are his gifts, and are not to be disposed of in our own wills, to take upon us by inoculation, when in health a disorder of which some die, requires great clearness of knowledge that it is our duty to do so. End of chapter 6. Recording by Devin Pertz, El Paso, Texas.